So who is the real Jagmeet Singh? One never really gets a clear answer. I mean, most know him as the first Sikh party leader. Others see him as a cool Indian version of Justin Trudeau. Trendy, stylish, an alternative for the left. But a very revealing report in the Globe and Mail reveals that Mr. Singh actively took part in a separatist Sikh rally back in San Francisco in 2015, where a violent Sikh religious leader was worshipped and where Mr. Singh spoke with others who denounce India and are calling for an independent Sikh state known as Khalistan. Here he is talking at that rally. They're attacking us as Sikhs for our identity, for our beliefs. Our response must be, let's create more Sikhs. Let's build more Sikhi. Let's grow more Sikhi. Let's plant the seeds of Sikhi. That's our response. If they want to cut them, they want to end us, then our response will be, you will not end us. We will grow stronger. We will grow louder and prouder. You will see more Sikhs across this country. You will see more Sikhs across this world. And one of the beauties of Sikhi is that Sikhi isn't a faith of numbers. Sikhi, we've never had the majority of numbers. We've had the strength of our beliefs. Okay, so the Indian government has already criticized the current prime minister of being too cozy with Sikh extremists. And I need not remind you the cost we will pay for that uh, boondoggle. But, you know, how can an elected official be playing footsie? And he's not the only one. Lots of politicians do it on all sides. But with a violent extremist group and not have to answer for that, Mr. Singh did issue a statement later today. It's quite long, but in part, he spoke directly to the pain in the community. And that his response was to embrace his identity and work harder to stand up for human rights and not allow the voices of the marginalized to be silent. But many say it did not answer the question, nor did it go far enough. I want to bring Elise Mills into this conversation to see if this is actually going to become a problem that will uh, nag at him. Elise, I would have to think that this is a bigger problem for Mr. Singh than anyone likely in that party, the NDP, is willing to admit, no? Well, I would absolutely agree because you have so just to just to illustrate the gap on where the NDP was 25 years ago to where they are today. There is a gentleman out there by the name of Ujjal Dasanj, who is in B.C., a former NDP premier, but is also being a victim of the extremism that Jagmeet Singh has seemingly coddled or at least at least accepted in a public setting. And I would be very interested to see what those in, especially British Columbia, those NDP members would think of Mr. Singh participating in an event that revered and honored a extremist leader who called for the deaths of tens of thousands. I mean, it's quite unbelievable to me, Alex, actually. Well, he did issue the statement and explained his position that he condemns terror. Um, But it doesn't, I don't think, go far enough. Well, the statement, so let's break the statement down. I read the statement three times this morning before I decided to make comment on it. So he does address that he was in San Francisco, but he calls the event that he attended, he, that he quote unquote says he was asked to attend a human rights rally. That's not what he attended. And that itself is, a, is, is untrue. It's not even truthy. It's simply untrue, Alex. There was a poster of the said individual right behind him. And prior to him speaking, there was the honoring and the revering of that extremist leader. And 
just by attending, even if he didn't speak, what he's doing is he's giving acceptance to that type of ideology, that belief system, that believes the only way to get what they want to get done is to harm and maim and kill tens of thousands of people to push their agenda. And if you read the statement, there is no apology for it. Right. And and this is not a new issue for Mr. Singh, albeit he's kind of a a darling on the left right now because he's trendy, he's new, he's looked at as an alternative to Mr. Trudeau. But there have been events in the past that have been very questionable. His attendance or helping um, aid uh, Al-Quds rally at uh, Queen's Park. Um, And then, of course, a a couple of months ago during a CBC interview with Terry Malefsky, he was asked if he would condemn the Air India bombing, and and he simply couldn't. In fact, it was turned around on the reporter to say it was racist to even ask such a question. Well, he's not an alternative to Mr. Trudeau. He is Mr. Trudeau in in the sense of um, the extremists uh, that he's willing to hang around with and he's willing to accept in his party. I mean, Mr. Trudeau, we've just gone through this, the trip to India. Uh, He invited the terrorists and the extremists that actually uh, harmed and injured Mr. Ujjal Dessange. And the Dessange family, what we know very well coming from British Columbia is the Dessange family has spent decades being in fear being afraid to to just live their daily lives. And yet, Mr. Desange has been brave enough to still speak the truth. So is he an alternative or is he also an enabler? And we have two federal leaders that are enabling extremism and, quite frankly, terrorist activity in this country. And I don't feel like I'm making a big deal out of this. I think it's one of the most egregious missteps by political leaders in in that I've seen probably for forever. I think what it is is pandering to a community because they're too weak to take a hard line. They're too weak to take a stand. It's the same way that Trudeau has decided that he can reform terrorists or ISIS terrorists. Uh, It's ridiculous to believe that those people deserve to not only just come to our country, but when you're talking about Air India and you're talking about the two individuals that both Mr. Singh and Mr. Trudeau have accepted into their lives, their party, you're talking about people that are, their main ambition is to annihilate a group of people so they can gain power. And that's just not acceptable. I think my grandfather would be rolling in his grave right now. Oh, mine has a few times already in the last uh, few years. But, you know, to the bigger question of what happens to the NDP leader now, I mean, these are not the kinds of things that are just going to go away. Um, And I'm not sure. I mean, can they or what kind of conversations would be going on behind the scenes with the NDP? Or do they not see this as a problem? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that they don't see it as a problem. Uh, the NDP that I would have known 20 years ago would have been a party that represented the everyday gal or girl, mm-hmm. the blue the worker. worker. Yeah. yeah, the worker, the one that felt disconnected from government or wanted to remind government that government works for them, not the other way around. That's more or less the stomping ground of someone like Doug Ford now versus, or it was Harper as well, versus the left. And right now they'd be, they're very tribalistic. They, their focus is social justice. They've made tons of errors on the whole Israeli-Palestine file. 
you know, the BDS movement, for example, which is essentially, you know, uh, pr- promoting anything that's anti-democratic in that in that argument. And most of those people have not a clue and are not literate or understanding or knowledgeable on that file whatsoever. They're knee jerkers and weather veins. And I think that the heart and soul and the brain trust of that particular party seems to be on vacation. Uh, but this is also symptomatic, Alex, of the political world that we're living in right now, where leaders feel they can go soft on certain issues or that they can get away with certain things and it's all show, no go. I think Mr. Singh probably, and I think the NDP are probably still smarting after the 2015 uh, election campaign and have decided that in, in, you know, in order to be Trudeau, they must emulate Trudeau. And, and yet there's, as you know, there's in, incredible gaps uh, uh, in regards to what makes sense and, and what works for a marketing campaign, you know, two different things there. So it's, it's concerning because as a conservative, I actually need the NDP to, you know, soldier up and, and be the, the moral compass and hold those ethics that they used to hold dearly. Because when the NDP come up, conservatives do better. The NDP itself does better as, as we as we saw in 2011. And uh, when they, they make sure that they're not to be confused with liberals, they win seats. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. But I think his statement, he thinks he's apologized and it'll go away. I don't think this is going to go away for him. And it shouldn't. I think it should be questioned. And he might have to explain now, this is the reason he can't get a visa uh, to India. I've got 30 seconds left. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a moral crime, and I think it's a moral crime what Trudeau has done as well, and I hope that voters hold them accountable. I I really hope the press gallery holds them both accountable for this, and I think if Canadians want to know who these two men really are, they've shown you everything you need to know. Yeah, well, stay tuned. Thanks, Elise. Yeah, thanks, Alex. All right, that is Elise Mills. This conversation's not going anywhere. It will be discussed, I think, for a while because it sure did raise a lot of eyebrows in political circles.